1: Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for following us on social media. Thank you for all the amazing reviews and positive feedback for the podcast. We aim to help you feel supported in your role as a worried woman, a stressed out woman, an overwhelmed, overworked, busy woman. And so hopefully this podcast is finding you where you are and helping you become more of the warrior woman that you would like to be in your life. You can follow us on social media at Woman Warriors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the Woman Warriors and Progression Counseling newsletter that comes out monthly with updates on the podcast as well as updates on my private practice here in Annapolis, Maryland, and my thoughts on the world. I do also write a monthly blog with tips to help you manage the stress, anxiety, overwhelm, worry in your life. You can find signups for both of those at progressioncounseling.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and I think pretty much every page, and there is a place to sign up for that newsletter and blog. You can also sign up to for the Worried Women's Guide to Meditation. So if you are a first-time meditator, a person who thinks they can never meditate, or someone who just would like a little guidance on how to get started, the meditation practice, I offer a free guide that you can also sign up for on my homepage. There should be a link at the top of the page and the bottom of the page, and you actually get two resources for free, the guide to meditation, as well as a guide to bringing mindfulness into your daily life. Today, my guest is Gail Carruthers. She is an equine guided learning facilitator who uses horses as teachers for individuals to process and express grief and loss. She combines her equine-guided learning certifications with her training as a mediator to run the Equine Intelligence Academy at Sky Blue Acres. Gail is certified in the neuro-equine model, the FEEL approach to equine learning, and the Equine Assisted Learning Building Block Program. Gail is based in Toronto, Ontario, and today we are going to be talking about grieving, loss, and how our belief systems might get in the way of our processing our grief. So let's get started. Hi, Gail, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast.
0: Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for so much for having me on.
1: Oh, I'm excited to talk to you. But if you wouldn't mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to do the work that you do.
0: Sure. Okay, thanks. So I am the owner of a um, an equine-guided learning center, which is called Sky Blue Acres. It's a 23-acre horse farm about an hour west of Toronto, Canada. Um, so how did I get into this? So hmm. it's it's kind of a... You know what? It's a very serendipitous story. Um, but suffice to say that I was an urban girl living in the city with my husband and my three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither one of us are from the farm. We're not rural. We're not, we have no rural background <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's a very, the quick version of it is um, my kids ride horses, my kids were taking riding lessons. We, there was a horse at this farm that was very unwell. He was, um, yeah, he was literally having um, uh, a, a, an issue one day, a, a health issue. And he wasn't really, it didn't look like he was really going to survive. And this particular horse, we also knew, I also knew just from being around this horse for about a year, my kids riding him and different kids at the barn riding him, that he wasn't suited for this job. I knew he wasn't suited for this job. Mm -hmm. So anyways, a really short version of it is he pulled through and I, and I, I thought, you know what, this horse does not like, he he doesn't like this job. He was a West trained horse. And anyways, I made him a deal. And I, I, I said, you know what, I'll buy you. I said, you know what, I'm going to, I said, I'm going to buy this horse and give him a new job. Okay. I had taken a core, like I had gone to equine guided learning workshops. Mm -hmm. I thought it was lovely. I love them. Never thought that I would ever get into it until this sort of serendipitous scenario happened, and I ended up buying a horse. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to – I really, really enjoyed the, the work, and I, but I had never thought of getting certified, but I did Yeah. since I, since I now owned a horse. Right, <laughs> right. So the short version is a lot of things happened, but I got certified. I got certified a few times. I actually hold three different certifications in this yeah. modality. And I made the leap of faith. Um, I was. I made the leap of faith that we basically said to my husband. I basically said, "Let's buy a farm. Let's wow. buy a farm. Let's expand this business and let's let's do something. Let's go do this." So we did. That's wow. the short. We literally moved from the city. Sold our. We had a heritage home downtown in um, the city that we lived in, hmm. and we moved to this twenty-three acre question farm and figured out how to run it. And uh, all in the purpose that I wanted to really create a, a, a center, an equine guided learning center that we could then focus on grief and loss. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm, a, I have a mediation background. I'm mm-hmm. a mediator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so conflict resolution, um, I've taught that. So there's that, that kind of context, but Years and years ago, my, you know, almost seems like probably 25 years ago, I I momentarily had thought of becoming a funeral director. Oh, wow. But I just, it it just didn't work out. Like I, there was parts of the course I didn't want to have to embalm. (laughs) There are parts of the course that I just wasn't, you know, it didn't completely fit. But I did, after my father had passed away, I, I had really considered doing that. And so serendipitously, 25 years later, it kind of all kind of came back. So that's a kind of an abbreviated version of it. But suffice to say, I was not intent. Like if you had told me, you know, I was going to one day live on a farm and I now own six horses and I board six. So there's 12 horses on this farm. Wow. I would be doing this. That would be I would I would literally be like, you know, you've you've lost like that makes no sense for my life because at the time it didn't make any sense in my life.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> so, because we're one of the we're one of the few centers that focuses not only on grief but on loss. Yeah. So, cuz they're they're not the same but they are the same if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Yes, it does. Um and I think that was kind of my next exploration that you know, we tend to think about grief and loss as like all surrounding death, but yeah. loss can be and grieving. We can I feel like a lot of us are grieving right now the loss of the life we had prior to the coronavirus and who knows when this episode will air but I mean I know but you know who knows if when this episode airs we will still be in this same sort of sphere of restricted living but yeah so talk to us about grief and loss and how it's not necessarily about death.
0: Yeah, of course. So obviously grief is the very, you're right, Elizabeth, the very first thing that we associate it with is is the griefing of a loved one, mm-hmm. someone who has physically departed our world. And of course, that's a huge part of of the modality and the makeup that, of the work that we do here. But, but I am, as I said earlier, I am a mediator. Mm-hmm. So there's, I am well aware of the other section, the other part of our lives that we experience loss in that we grieve as well and that is like divorce. Divorce is huge, right? Like that's a huge life change. So the oh, really yeah. the better way to really cons- to look at loss or even like the grief is life like when we have major life disruptions. Mm-hmm. So divorce is one of those obviously the physical death of a spouse or a child or a family member or a parent, a sibling, but also disruptions like you've had a like you've lost your job at midlife. And oh. that's like like your identity is so caught up into what, who we are and what we do. Yeah. Um, maybe I should say who we are is caught up into what we do. So losing of your job at, at a certain age, not so much, let's say when you're 25, but when you're 50 and you've had that same sort of job for decades, th- there is a huge grieving process because that's where you, your identity is caught up into that. Um, your work coat, your coworkers have become very close. You've worked with them for years or decades, even it's the loss of, of income. Yeah. And that uncertainty as to the grief of, of how you, maybe your lifestyle is going to have to shift huge. Oh kind my gosh. How, right. Like, so that lifestyle shift, all those components are, are steps towards on how we emotionally and psychologically, I'm going to even call it positive mental health. It affects our positive mental health. And it's a, it's where we, we will get, we will get triggered into grief. Grief is literally the absence of the grieving of something that is no longer there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's obviously, I think we all intuitively understand it's much more profound than sadness.
1: Yeah. Uh, So much more because
0: because grief is, it's, it's, it's such a deep emotional response. Hmm. It's such a deep, but it's also, it's almost like it's hardwired into us. You know, it, it is grieving on an emotional level is really our way of working. When we hear people say you've got to work through a grief, Mm -hmm. that's the context of that is the process. Grieving is the process of that literally of that movement through to get in. And I'm not saying that you're going to get to another side and you're going to be different. You will be altered, but it's that because we no longer uh, this, you know, I'm not suggesting that we get over grief because we don't. Yeah. we simply learn to cope in a different way. We have new normals. We have new, new, new ways of managing it. But the, the intensity can arc. It can have its peaks and it can have its valleys. Not to say again that they cannot come up years and, and even decades later because it can. But we do have the ability to peak and valley in our grief, and we're literally made up to do that. Like we, we're hardwired to have peaks and valleys in grief we're not supposed to stay in grief continuously
1: right right
0: well what i say is that what i mean by you're not supposed to stay in it what i mean is the severity of it like we we are we are hardwired to go up and down in our peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. so the reason i'm saying that is because a lot of people that i work with they they we get in our own way of in grief because we have this idea that there's a time limit on grief.
1: Oh, yes. I find that with my clients all the time. I should be over this. I should be done.
0: Right. And I'm going to tell you, this research on this is exactly the opposite, that Mm. there is no timeline. What does happen is that, like I was saying, you can go up and down in your peaks and valleys because we do have to get on with our lives. We have to go shopping. We have to go to work. We do have to wash our hair. We do have to take care of pets or children. Right. You know, or some... We our brains are literally wired to to, to cope yeah. in our lives, and then literally have our moments where we grieve and we and we cry and we emote and we and we you know we go inside. Yeah, and then we come back out of it. And so people, at times, it could be a decade later, it could be two decades later, and something happens: a song comes on the radio, or oh yeah, a, a, a picture, or a movie, or a scent. And you're, and you're kind of right back there. And you're, and you're literally like, people will be like, Oh, I just burst into tears. And it's like, I should be over this. And it's like, why should you be over this? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Your heart is never going to lose that love for that individual.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I think what's, at least for me, I lost my dad, probably almost four years ago, not quite, but Like what it's, what's, what I find surprising is that it can be like that just out of nowhere. You know, maybe I dream about him or there's some song or some memory, you know, will get triggered and it's like the sense of like, oh, right, he's gone, (laughs) you know, and it is so surprising sometimes, but yeah, you're right. It's like, of course, we would still feel that sorrow and sadness and loss,
0: uh, well, hundred percent. And that's where the shame and guilt can come in because mm. we beat ourselves up. And that's our, that's our neuro context. That's our, our linear brain trying to be rational in grief. There's yeah. nothing rational about grief. Grief is an emotion that our heart and our, and our limbic system is going to literally get us through. Yeah. So, but we're, but our heart and our brain are constantly in conflict. They're constantly trying to, the brain is trying to constantly get you back into rationale. Like, cause that's its job. That's the neocortex. That's the front part of your brain. Right. Like your limb system is where your is where your emotionals your emotions are stored, and that's grief's job, is to help you mourn. Mm-hmm. It's to help you literally release not the relationship, but just to release the lot. Like you're releasing this, like the process of what you no longer have physically, yeah. mm-hmm. and then helping to helping how to transition that into a relationship that looks different, a heart relationship as opposed to a physical relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: So, so the brain gets in our way and it trips us up and grief, sorry, um, guilt and shame can come become a huge part of it. You know, I'm feeling guilty or shameful that I'm crying. Yeah. Like it's, people are embarrassed by it. And it's like, I really, if I can, if, if there's one thing that, that we can really, try to drive home for your listeners and my clients and anybody else that comes involved in this is there is no game, sorry, shame or guilt around any of this. Right. You're a human being, you are wired to grieve. You are wired to do this.
1: And that whatever we're feeling, it's, it's feelings in that moment that like, yeah, that the, that they're going to come up and that to feel shame just compounds that sense of like trying to stuff it away or not feel it, but they're there.
0: Well, and it's culturally that's what we're taught, right? Culturally, yeah, yeah. grief and crying is not like we're 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 butted up against culturally. So we're our own natural way of movement through through sadness and grief is is to is to cry and to and to have those moments of despair. But our culture tells us that that's weak.
1: Yeah, boy.
0: And it's and and it's it's we're doing ourselves a disservice every time we listen to that critical brain of ours, our neocortex, that's trying to tell us slam it down, girl, hold it in, you know, you should be over this. This, this, There's nothing logical about that, even though it's coming from, from the right. the logical part, the logical brain is no longer rational.
1: Oh, man. And so so much of this message of like, I should be over it, I that, you know, there's a time limit to grieving is really this cultural, or family oriented message, societal message that like, you should have, you know, you should be able to move on within whatever, six months, a year, whatever it might be.
0: For sure. Like, so there's two things happening. We have this cultural, um, sort of, we're not culturally in the West anyways, mm-hmm. we're almost allergic to emotions, right? Like uh, emotions have their place, you know, yep. grief, uh, sadness, anger really are not acceptable. And even mm-hmm. joy We're okay with joy, but keep it down, right? You don't want to be... (laughs) Don't be too joyful. Don't be too joyful, right? (laughs) But the other side to this is there was... And this is, again, embedded culturally, but Elizabeth Kubler ross Mm -hmm. is who came up with the five stages of grief. Yeah. But what people don't realize is that her research was, was around terminally ill patients. So that research is for people themselves who were dying. Oh, wow not for the person who was left behind, not the griever hmm. of the person who died. You see what I'm saying?
1: I do. So, I do.
0: So those five stages, that whole research that she did was, was on terminally ill patients yeah. So when you get to the end one where you're in acceptance, it was because the acceptance was about them dying, them losing their lives and then coming to those that emotional psychological terms with yeah. that. Yeah. What has happened over the decades since that research is that it's became a cult phenomenon that this has now been applied to 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 not to to the griever as opposed to the person who was literally dying.
1: Right. Right. So
0: the new research that has gone into death and dying is shows that there is no time like there is nothing linear about this but people go on but because they have this has been so embedded it
1: has oh my gosh so
0: embedded right that that people are actually now using this as a yardstick to their own grief when it was never intended
1: to be that
0: be that like if you literally go look up her research and go read her book she wrote an entire book on this it yeah. literally said, like, it's all about, she was never intending this. It just, it got convoluted over the, over the decades.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I know that I've seen, you know, you see these uh, more popular these days, like sort of blog posts about whatever it might be, you know, the top 10 or whatever, but you often see her stuff quoted, you know, mm-hmm. the that those, what are they called, The stages of grief.
0: Stages of grief. Yeah.
1: And that. You know, one it's been sort of hijacked to to apply to the survivor experience, but mm-hmm. two, as you said, like even I would imagine for terminally ill people, it's not linear for them probably either. You probably flow in and out of those states as you're adjusting to the fact that you're dying, but also for us who are left behind,
0: right. Right. And I, I really just wanted to bring that to your listeners attention yeah. so that because it's a big deal yeah. Because you are using it as a yardstick and there's no yardstick that needs to happen. So when you are experiencing your grief and your loss and it happens, you know, spontaneously to your, to what you assume is, you know, out, it should be over it. There's no need to be, there's nothing to be over. Yeah. This, this is simply a, uh, you know, it's fluid, right? You're in, you're out, you're up, you're down and allow yourself that permission to feel those emotions. Yeah. That's that's the part about when people say I'm moving through, it's moving through that not stuffing it down and choking on it literally.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it could be any loss whether it's the loss of your marriage or your relationship or your dog or
0: whatever, oh, right? Absolutely. Your and, job. You know yeah. Um, Relationships are huge, and pets are huge. A lot oh. of people don't even give themselves permission to grieve their pet. Oh, I
1: can. Oh, yeah, I can so relate to that. You know, I,
0: or people will say, "Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off." But that's the other okay. time, people will also say, "In a marriage that breaks down, the person who pulled the plug on the marriage isn't supposed to be grieving either." Right, and that's another big like. Come on, right? Like. Okay. Just yeah. because you're the one that walked away from the marriage doesn't mean that that marriage doesn't have a significant impact in your life. And that walking away, you're still leaving a marriage. You're leaving in-laws. You're leaving family behind. You're, now you've got – if you've had children, now you're in a – your family dynamic has completely changed. Oh, you yeah. Don't have, you know, so th- just to, uh, to assume that people who pulled the plug of their marriage or walked away are the ones that can't – they don't deserve to be grieving is ridiculous.
1: Right, right, it right. Did, we're
0: not even built that way. No, they, no. Of course they're going to grieve and they should grieve and we should be supporting them in their grief. Mm. So, again, another big piece that I, I really wanted to drive home that love is love and loss is loss. You know, whether it's from a, a marriage that you were the ones that walked away from or your pet. I mean, love is love, man. We're attached to that. We're, we're a, a human race that we are a species that bonds.
1: Yes, we, we sure have, are. We sure,
0: bond. That is what makes us human. That mm-hmm. is her humanity in, in literally as a verb. Yeah. So when when you lose something, of course, that's our emotional response on how to manage that loss, how to get our head around it, how to help us move through it. It's called grief and it's called mourning and you're allowed to do it.
1: Amen. I hear you. I I can remember we had a a dog, a dog that For a lot of reasons, we had to put down, and I can remember having to go to work the next day and work with clients one on one, and I was like on the verge of tears with every client, and them not knowing what happened. Like I was like, "Why did I come to work? Why did I think that it was okay to just push through this?" And it was very hard.
0: Well, that's a very good point. Like, why did we all kind of go, "Oh, I'll just." The bootstrap, pull yourself up with the bootstraps. That yes, kind of, yeah. you know, that sort of mindset that we're supposed to just continually have this stiff upper lip. Maybe it's, you know, the way we all, I don't
1: know. Yeah. Part of it is the way we're raised. But too, for me, it was like, it's a dog. People aren't going to understand that I need to take time for my animal where like now when I work with clients, I'm like, of course you're grieving your dog or your cat or whatever it is. Like this was a very important part of your
0: life, but it was hard. Absolutely, It
1: was hard for me to offer that to myself.
0: And that's the biggest problem, right? We're yeah. so hard. We don't, what we're, what we're so, um, uh, open with, with our family and our friends and our clients, we seem somehow deny to ourselves. (laughs) True, true, true. I, yes.
1: So I'm curious how horses, um, help your clients work through grief. How is, how does, yeah. So
0: I kind of, I kind of talked a little bit already about our neocortex and our limbic system. Mm -hmm. So here's why horses are so powerful in this work. So horses are so powerful. First of all, they they share a very similar, if not very similar, limbic system to us. Okay. The limbic system is the part of our brain that houses emotion. It houses a a lot of things, but emotion is pretty much where our emotions stick. Mm -hmm. But their, their neocortex, which is their frontal lobe, which is where our language and our rational and our linear thinking... It's it's not as developed as ours, hence why they don't have language.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so they have survived using their limbic system. Mm. So what that means is for fifty five million years they have they have become what you call them, uh hypersensitive, like a like a biofeedmac mechan or
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. To, their, yeah. to their
0: environment, right? Yeah. So they have had to because they, they're a prey animal, meaning that they are preyed upon by a predator. Mm-hmm. So they have – and they live in a herd. So right. their herd is – the whole herd has become so sensitive because they have to be nonverbal. They can't they can't be vocal or they'll give away their, their location to a predator. Mm-hmm. So they have become – nonverbal language, nonverbal communication has been their survival technique. So mm. they have become – so adapt at literally like the, the rise of an ear, the shift of a shoulder, the rise of a tail, Hmm. the blink of an eye that sends, um, ripples of energy. So that, that when one horse literally raises its shoulder, that sends a ripple of energy through the entire herd. And it, and it, and it means something, it means a, B or C it means to do so, Right. You'll it's not kind of like when you see a flock of birds flying and they all kind of in one t- tandem, they all, they all yeah, shift the, the direction.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. the
0: Same kind of context. It's almost like a group think.
1: Yeah. But yeah. they
0: have the ability to communicate literally through energy. Mm. So they know if a if a predator a mile and a half away, they can detect a predator up to a mile and a half away. And they know if that predator just by respiration rate of that predator Hmm. If it's, if it's hungry, if it's, you know, is it eaten digestive? They can, they can, they can feel that energy. Wow! So they are so, because they're so sensitive to their environment, they use everything in their environment as information. Whereas we overthink our environment. We're like, Oh, well, you no, know, that's silly. Or that's this. Or that we, you know, we, don't <laughs> right. into it. we, we, we tune out of our environment, whereas they tune in. Hmm. So when we work with a horse, because they are so sensitive to this, to energy, emotions are just energy. Hmm. So when we're in the presence of a horse and we're literally mindful of the horse, this is why, why working with a facilitator, a skilled facilitator is the whole point. Cause I, I have friends who are like, I have a horse. <laughs> and I'm like, well, your horse is telling you all kinds of stuff, but you don't speak horse. You're not right. paying attention to yes. their ears or their tail or their. So I have a lot of people who will say in the horse world, They'll, they'll, you know, they're rushing to the barn and they're, they're going to tack up and they're going to go ride and their horses and they're, they're grooming their horse or tacking up the horse and the horse is maybe dancing or he's, you know, he's doing when I say dancing, sorry, I mean like he's, Yeah. he's antsy. Shifting around. Exactly. Thank you. So they will be like, he's shifting around and, the, and people off the horse world and people who don't, who aren't in the mindset of what I'm talking about will be like, what is wrong with my horse? Right. And they'll <laughs> discipline their horse. And I'll be like, well, first of all, you probably don't feel very good to your horse right now because you just got off the, at a traffic driving to your barn for the last hour. You had a crappy day and you've rushed in and you're not, there's nothing mindful of what you're doing. You're, you're not present with your horse. You don't feel good to your horse right now. So your horse is literally like, oh, this does not feel good to me. Mm -hmm. And they're responding to you because you're, they're a bio, they're a biofeedback mechanism at that point. But because they're not aware of what's going on, and this is literally a language of the horse, they discipline their horse for being an idiot. And
1: they're like,
0: well, actually, that's not what's going on. So it's when we work with horses in a facilitated setting, that's what happens is I start to read, I read horse. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm reading horses. So if, if I'm seeing something going on with the horse, that's my cue to check in with that client. Mm-hmm. What's going on? What was, what was literally happening in your, like, what were you thinking of in that moment? Or I'll know what was going on and it'll be like, okay, so it, it's, I it gets a little dicey to do examples, but the yeah, bottom line yeah, is yeah. they're responding to you emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going on. And so what freaks people out is that these horses will respond to them on a level that they, it will be emotions that they're not even, they've, they've buried. Yeah they're not even really aware of yeah. or it's so that will come out or it's the first it's it, they finally been given permission or what they deem permission to let their guard down and feel those emotions for the very first time
1: hmm. yeah and,
0: and they're allowed to feel those emotions in front of a very sentient being because they don't have because they don't have a huge overdeveloped neocortex frontal lobe they're not here to judge you they're not saying oh i don't really like those pants I don't know, that car, I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of, you know, what kind of car is that or your hairstyle or they're not, they have, they're not there to judge you. They're not, they're not overthinking anything. They're They're just there
1: with you in that moment.
0: And they're so present
1: Yeah. because
0: they live for the moment. They live literally in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's how they survive. They're not thinking about the grocery list and they're not thinking about what you said or what you did 10 minutes ago. It's over. It's done. Yeah. They yeah. literally live in the moment. So for, for people who are going through grief and loss, getting them to even get to the moment, like to stay present in the moment so that they can even access, first of all, access. And second of all, you know, work through and feel those really heavy emotions because most of us don't like to. Yeah. It's a it's a gift. Yeah. And when they when they start to finally manage that. That's when they literally make progress in their grief and they literally are like, oh my God, you know, I could have talked to them all day long about the rational reasoning to manage their grief, but it doesn't mean anything until they physically do it until they've had that experience. And then yeah. they realize, wow, this, I literally feel different. It doesn't take away their pain. And that's the biggest thing. I can't do that. Nobody can. But just by talking through or releasing and understanding and being mindful, it does help dissipate it in that moment. And it does help to help you through your peaks and valleys when you do have it, when you do have those moments.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and too, I would imagine that I think for some people, the fear is that if I allow myself to truly feel this pain loss, these big emotions that it's going to swallow me up. I'm going to, that's it. Like I'll be gone forever. And I think we learn as we feel the heavy feelings, the big feelings, the difficult feelings is that we do survive it. We feel it. We work through it. We move into the next thing. Like they come and go in peaks and valleys like all the other emotions. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. that and that's I think what you said earlier is bang on. Like a lot of people are afraid of it because oh, they don't yeah. they're afraid of it because it's one of the it's such a human um response yet we're never taught yep. how to do this, right? Yep. When no one's taught. Grief is something that is modeled, by the way.
1: Mm.
0: It's not taught. No. We could teach it. Yes. But because we don't. So what happens is it gets modeled. Mm. And the majority of people's modeling is is avoidance. Right suck it okay. up, pull up your up. bootstraps. Voice, right? right? <laughs> yes. If people are crying, they tend to want to do so in private.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: don't really share that grief. They don't really share. And that's another compounding factor in families that are going through grief of a family member. Oh, yeah. Because everybody, nobody, nobody, A, we don't know how to grieve on our, for ourselves, let alone we don't know how to grieve with somebody else. Yeah. So that, that also becomes a compounding factor within families. <clears throat> But that's a whole other story. But that's 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 pro- that's part of it. Yep. Is because we're so uncomfortable with the context and the topic and the process and the emotions that for ourselves, that the next layer of understanding and management is to do this with your love with another loved one who's also being. Yeah. yeah. So it's it gets complicated. For sure. But we overcomplicate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so if there were someone who maybe weren't near don't live near you in Canada were experienced grief and loss. Are there resources out there that you feel are more relevant to helping them process and move through their grief?
0: So because here's what I would say, because we're on a, I don't know who's going to ever be listening like knowing sure. where people are when they listen to this. But like, yep. first thing I would say is in your area, I would Google what's going on in your area because there's, there are, here's the thing I I don't in Canada anyways, or at least in our province as well, there's a ton of nonprofit organizations who specifically deal with grief and loss. And you know what? A lot of people don't even know about them.
1: Yeah. I I would say that's true here too.
0: Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even know about them. And they, if you are going through a grief and loss situation, one of the, at least in Canada anyways, going to your funeral parlor, those funeral directors, they're they're hugely plugged into the grief and loss community. They know they know they know all they know all the the the, um, the
1: numbers or the hotlines yeah. or the whatever. Yeah.
0: lines. They know where to go, they know what to do it. So, you know, even calling up your local funeral home. I know it sounds odd, but they're the ones that are plugged in. That's their that's their whole industry. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. Um
0: if you're going through someone who is terminal, hospices are another huge resource for people. Oh, yeah. Um and there's hotlines. There's there's all kinds of um information out there but you just you do need to do a little bit of research but not lots trust me a quick google search you know the name of your town grief support and boom you're you'll probably get a dozen or more yeah links yeah right um yeah. you could do a quick google search on um uh, and any one of those i was going to say about resources like podcasts or um books any of those resources like also if you were to go to the nonprofit groups, they will have resources listed like books listed on their website. If you were to even go to my website, um, uh, skyblueacres.com, I have a resource page. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, we have that. We offer that to anybody can can go onto our resource page. And, and if you're not sure where to start, start on my resource page. Like nice. said, it's skyblueacres.com and check there. But if you're in, no matter where you're listening in North America, a quick Google search of your city grief support, it would pull up a ton of links.
1: Yeah. And so that was going to be my next thing. Like what, how do people find you? So skyblueacres.com is your website. But website. how else yeah, can I'm people?
0: A, well, so I'm on Instagram. Nice. Again, it's skyblueacres. We're on Facebook, skyblueacres. Cool. Um, yeah. So it's there, there. we do have our social media uh, platforms to interact with us, uh, website and our, our, um, our contact information is on the website.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Gail, I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I think this is, you know, grief and loss are things obviously we all experience throughout our lifetime, but it's just not something we all talk about.
0: It's not. And I really wish we would start doing more of this.
1: Yeah. It feels really important.
0: It is really important. So one last thing, if there's anybody out there listening to this right now who, who is going through your own journey of grief and loss, uh, do, you know, do your own Googling search, find your own support group, talk to people, don't be silent about it, mm. get, get the support. And what I mean by support, I don't mean like psycho. you know, I mean, non-clinical support because yeah, it
1: doesn't have to be therapy. It can no, just be, yes, have, right.
0: Grief. That's the other thing. This is not a clinical thing. We, this is a natural process. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go to a therapist. Right. right. I mean, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't. I'm simply saying
1: it doesn't have it has, to be.
0: It doesn't have to be something so something so formal. Yeah. yeah. It can be, you know, find that person who is comfortable letting you cry. Mm. Right. Find mm. somebody who's OK. And here's one more thing I'd like to say to the to, to the people who are listening, who are who are around somebody who is going through grief and loss Hmm. don't try to fix it
1: yeah yeah right
0: don't try to fix their grief don't try to fix their loss don't try to get them to look on the bright side you know what your best support is to simply be silent and let them cry hold their hand rub their back get them a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and let them cry let them talk let them tell stories if it's the same story you've heard for the last, you know, 10th time, let it be the net, let it be 20, let it be 30, let them tell the stories. Yeah. That's the process, but don't fix it. Yeah. There's nothing you can fix. They don't, they're not looking for you to fix it. They're it, looking for connection.
1: Yeah. They want to be heard. Yeah. But
0: connection. That's all you need to do. And so if you're, if you're on whichever side you're on, allow your side, yourself to connect and if you're on the other side of being the support, allow them to connect, allow yourself to connect without fixing it.
1: Mm, that's great, great advice. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you so much, Gail. I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. And uh, I wish you luck with your future endeavors.
0: Yeah, well, thank you again, Elizabeth. It was a pleasure. And thank you again for having me on. It was a it was a pleasure. And, and good luck with everything in your podcast as well. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for being a part of that conversation with myself and Gail Carruthers. Grief and loss are definitely things that we find uncomfortable when someone's really sad and crying. Just imagine yourself in that space and what it's like to just sit with them and allow them to be sad. It can be really hard and uncomfortable, but as she said, that might be the best thing that you can do for someone is to just be with them and listen and not try to fix it. But two, so important to be, to allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling around the losses you've experienced and, um... With the coronavirus, I know there are a lot of losses out there in the world and my heart goes out to all of you who may have lost someone and just allow yourself to be in that grief and loss and know that whatever you're feeling is okay. I hope you will all take care of yourselves around whatever grief or loss you might be experiencing or being compassionate towards those who are grieving. Have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from this Woman Warrior.
0: Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.